I didn't hate myself. I always loved life. I always, listen, I knew I was being treated differently at four years old. Mm-hmm. And I told my mom, you know, you know, right after a prayer of all things. And I said, she, she says, make your prayer to God. And I said, God, please fix me by morning. And she was like, she was a nurse. She was also Catholic, but she embraced holy shit, there's something going on here. Yeah. And um, she protected me my whole life until the day she died. She kept saying, honey, why, why, you know, why is it taking so long to do, just do it, do it, do it, do it. Get it done, get it done. Don't be afraid, be who you are. Yesterday, Amber joined me on the podcast and we talked about her music career and her experiences with her mother's fighting Alzheimer's. Today, we get into Amber's book and the podcast that she is hosting. Enjoy the second half of our conversation. Amber, I want to tell me a little bit about the book. So it's Hiding from Myself, My Complicated Rebirth into Womanhood in My Own Skin. Yeah. So, so what we haven't talked about so far is that when I was birthed, I was assigned male at birth. Okay. And um, I never thought of myself as a boy ever, not even once in my life. Um, I had to play the part for many years because society is kind of crappy to people. They didn't understand it back in the day. There wasn't the proper nomenclature to begin with. But what made it worse was all of these ridiculous ideologies that that just can't be real. It's got to be a mental disorder, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously, all of that has been medically disproven, you know, over the years. And so I went through something called transition, where you you take hormones. Um, I had been I've been secretly taking hormones since I was 21, um, because I just couldn't bear another day that I went through the wrong puberty. It was, it was gruesome for me. And people in the music business knew who I was. They knew that I was, you know, I was uh, honestly, I had a parade around for some of my career in boy mode and, but they knew they, some of them sort of said, Oh, that person's gay, but I was never gay. Cause how could I be gay? If I'm a, if I'm a woman and I love men, right? Right you're not gay. You're gay. If you're, if you love women and you're a woman, right? Because my brain was hardwired female. And that does happen in the second trimester of pregnancy. It does happen. Your body differentiates with your genitals and and reproductive organs in the first trimester that didn't, that happened for me. But the, for some reason, the second trimester, everything went haywire. Um, I honest to God, you know, something people don't know about me other than being what I call being born incongruent, right? Where my, my physical brain, not my mental brain, my physical brain does not look like my body. Like a woman has a thick cortical region in their brain, whereas a man has a thin cortical region, right? There's one differentiator, right? So the other things I had was I was deaf at five. 
I, I had to be resuscitated on the operating table, you know, during one of those surgeries. And by the time I was 25, I was diagnosed with a very rare blood cancer. Mm. So at 25, I felt my life was over and I was just going to do everything I freaking could at that point. Yeah. I dove into everything and I was still too afraid to tell the world, which is why the book is hiding from myself. Yeah. Because society, I kept seeing these tragic stories of people like me getting killed or beat up. And listen, I got beat up a lot in high school and grade school because I was different, but I still had a lot of friends. Oh, let me beat you up, but we're still friends. Okay. It was sort of the weirdest, weirdest thing ever. And then by the time I, I graduated, I had had enough of all this nonsense and long story short, um, I get diagnosed with this blood cancer at 25. I'm sitting in a room every week with all these people with stage four cancer, getting chemotherapy, all this stuff. It was the most gruesome time of my life. And it lasted about eight or nine years that I was getting all these, you know, phlebotomies and and medicines and whatnot to try to get it under control. Then in my forties, I suffered a major ischemic stroke and lost lost the left hand side of my body. Oh no. Yeah. And that was January 3rd of 2019. I ended up in the ICU for four days and I actually made a full recovery. I got so lucky. And I'll tell you what happened to me. As soon, I don't know how I knew I was having a stroke. I just knew it in, inherently that I was having a stroke. And I had in my, my purse, I had a, a pill, um, an aspirin. And I chewed the aspirin and left it under my tongue. And that helped that helped break up the clot a little bit. They still administered TPA and said, we have to inform you. We're going to give you TPA. If you, if you say yes, we just need to let you know that there is a percentage that you will die from it. And I'm like, Oh my God. And everything just raced through my head all at once. And I said, just do it, do it, do it. And one thing led to another and they saved my life. And then they found out the reason I had my stroke was I was also born with a congenital heart defect. I had two holes in my heart. So I was born with two holes in my heart. They didn't find out until after I had a stroke. So I, I had to have three heart operations. Wow. After that as well. Thank God that they didn't have to open me up. They could do it through my legs laparoscopically. Yes. And, um, but those three, wreaked havoc on me you know i was i was transitioned um and you know transition for those that don't understand it is you know you're already a woman trans women are women trans men are men period there's 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 no conversation to be had i'm not going to debate anyone on it because there's no debate you can't debate someone's humanity it's not like we make this stuff up why would anybody want to go through the shit i've gone through absolutely so um so long along those lines, I had those surgeries, I get better. um, And then I was disallowed to get my final surgery. So we call it gender confirmation surgery. And that is where your reproductive organs get realigned the way they were supposed to be. Right. And I was devastated. I wasn't allowed to do it. And then when you say not allowed, what Having How? a stroke, they they didn't okay. they didn't they didn't want me to medically. They did not recommend they yeah. did not recommend you doing that. Okay, so a year, not even a year, eleven months from my stroke, the doctor says 
I am got some wonderful news for you. I am writing you a letter to go ahead and get the surgery. You're good. Everything looks beautiful with you. You're doing wonderful. Go get it done. So I went and got the, the, the thing done. And, and I went up to this wonderful surgeon. She's probably the best, one of the best in the country. Her name is Christine McGinn up in Pennsylvania. And she scheduled me. I'm on, I'm on, I'm ready to go. March, 2020. I'm getting it done, baby. COVID hit. Right. Yes. So, you know, FML, right. That I was saying FML the whole time. And you can imagine what those words yeah. mean. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was just, you know, delayed here. And now I'm delayed again and again and again. And so one thing led to another where I was able to finally get it um, August 4th, which is two days after my, my, my birthday. So I had a second birthday on August 4th. And I, I actually got it done um, just about two years ago on August 4th. And it's been, it, it, let me tell you something when, when you're, when you're incongruent and you finally get to taste what it's like to be at least a little bit more congruent, I'll never be a hundred percent congruent. There's nothing I like about this. In fact, going through cancer, going through the heart operations, going through my, my deafness, all of those things that I went through are easier by a long shot than being born incongruent. And that, that should really like, make people go, what, what is she talking about? Because the reality is, is that being born incongruent like that is just so hard because it's the most primal primitive part of your humanity. And and it's nothing's driving. You're missing out on all of the wonderful things that you, you would have if you were, if you were born correctly in the first place in either direction, whether that's male, female, whatever. Right. So that book is all about that. And I was lucky enough to get people like Colin Mockery and a few directors and producers from Hollywood to endorse the book. And it went number two um, bestseller for, for quite a while. And I was just so, I don't really care about the number two. I just care that I got a lot of wonderful mail and reviews from people that said, thank you for writing this book because my daughter is going through this, you know, this is a problem right now because we live in a very religious community and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, the book really was something for people that don't understand it. It's not written for people like me. It's written for people. And and excuse me for, for using you as an example, it's written for people like you or, or whomever, right. Yeah, sure. Other, other people that need to really understand what is it like for a person from birth to whatever age they are when they wrote this? What is it like along that whole journey? And what are the really difficult gut-wrenching things that a human being has to endure? And you sort of get empathy about yourselves. That's why, that's why I'm an advocate. I don't get political on podcasts, but I'm an advocate for things like Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, LGBT rights and, you know, pro-choice and all of these other things like, really, really, we want to, we want to prevent abortion, but yet if we tell a male to go get a reversible vasectomy, he can't do it. (laughs) Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Well... And, you know, I, I'm in Texas, so it, oh, of course. It's not a good, big deal. it yeah. is not a good time right now. It's a dark time. And, and yeah. it, it, yeah, and listeners skip ahead about yeah, five minutes if you don't want to hear political, but, yeah, you know, like uh, yeah. we, 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 we want to stop unwanted pregnancies, but we don't want to fund sex education. We don't want to have you know, easy access to birth control. Mm. Um, you know, we don't want to have universal child care for people who do have children. I mean, they're just, it is the hypocrisy, Amber, is, is what bothers me the most. And I am a 62-year-old white guy, and, yeah. and I realize that my experience has been very different than a lot of people. And I get frustrated with with my peers, other people that can't see that, cannot see that I don't understand your journey. I don't understand a young African-American male's journey. I, I don't understand. And, and to, to not have empathy and to no. not have an open heart just makes no sense to me. And in it, it, it bothers me a lot. And so I, I appreciate 
Um, I've added your book to my wish list on Amazon. I, I look forward to reading it. Um, the reviews look amazing. They say it is a funny and insightful book. And so I look forward to, to reading your story. And I say good for you for sharing. And because I, I do know enough that there are people out there hurting and that they need kind words and they need it's it's okay you know they need to be told and to believe it's going to be okay you know what you're going through now may seem dark but there is there is a future where things are going to be better you know and and there's this there's a stigmatism there's a stereotype there's a mythology there's misinformation through the roof with with this whole subject of what what it is to be trans for example and one of the things they say all the time is that it's not my fault you're confused or they'll say it's not my fault you hate yourself two things in my life since birth that i've never been is one i've never been confused and number two i've never hated myself ever I didn't hate myself. I always loved life. I always, listen, I knew I was being treated differently at four years old. Uh And I told my mom, you know, you know, right after a prayer of all things. And I said, she, she says, make your prayer to God. And I said, God, please fix me by morning. And she was like, she was a nurse. She was also Catholic, but she embraced holy shit, there's something going on here. Yeah. And um, she protected me my whole life until the day she died. She kept saying, honey, why, why, you know, why is it taking so long to do, just do it, do it, do it, do it, get it done, get it done. Don't be afraid, be who you are. And I just love her so much. And my whole family's that way. Now I have no kind words for most of my relatives, you know, they've had and, and I don't mean this in a bad way because to each their own, I believe that everybody, whatever path you're on and whatever belief system you, you believe in, and it helps you be a better person or, or whatever it is you need to, to, to latch onto, that's wonderful. But I want to explain there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Those are not the same thing. They are two different things. But when your relatives have so much religion, and I'm going to swear again, I hope it's okay. When they have so much religion shoved up their ass yes, that they treat you horribly and try to disown you as if you're doing some sinful thing, which I'm not. Yeah. Um, that's when you have to sort of say, gee whiz, there's 4,200 religions in the world. Hmm. There was 15,000 years of polytheism, the belief in multiple gods. You're right. Then 325 AD, Constantine said there will be one true God that we all follow. Hmm. And yeah. then the Council of Nicaea said, well, here's what we'll secretly put in the New Testament and here's what we'll leave out, you know? And they men made a bunch of decisions on what they're going to put into this, this, this book. And then you look at Christianity itself. I can speak poorly to Christianity because I was one my whole life. Right. right? Um, the thing is, is that it's splintered into 33,000 denominations. Yeah. That's a real number. People say, oh, come on, Amber, look it up. 
It's 33,000 different denominations because Christians can't even agree with themselves as to what their interpretations are. And here's the way I put it to everyone. I said, if God is this engendered he thing that we make God into, we always call God he. Why? Because we've always been in a patriarchy, right? And so when you really think about it, you know, which of the 4,200 religions is the real one? Well, the only reason that somebody in Des Moines is a Catholic or a Christian is because they were born in Des Moines. Had they been born in Saudi Arabia or somewhere else, somewhere else, they'd be a Muslim. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. I've read the Quran. I've yeah. read the Old Testament, the New Testament, the old Jewish writings. I've read all these different religious books and studied for 32, 32 years on this subject. Because I wanted to know why they hated people like me so much. Yeah. And it turns out it's all a myth in the first place. Not just the books, but the actual idea that being trans is a sin. There's nothing yeah. in, in the Bible about it, no. ever. In fact, there's nothing about homosexuality in the Bible, and I proved that to them. And now it's everybody sort of knows that that was, that was false in the first place. But enough of that, because... I want to get into some of the fun stuff that I'm doing. That, that's kind yes, of a serious conversation. Yeah, no, that, yeah, and so let's go back. So you shared a little bit. You are you you are talking about moving forward with a podcast. So yeah, show me what's next on your journey, Amber. There's two Here. things right now. One is the Overcoming Stage Fright in the New York Minute. That's the next book I'm working on. Okay. And it's written specifically for everyone. Okay. It's written for actors, actresses, comedians, musicians, vocalists, um, you know, Broadway actors as well, live performance. And it's also written for the person that has to give the speech at the wedding, the toast at the okay. wedding. It's written for the person giving an investment speech for the uh, in, in, uh, investment speech you know, for a product that they just created and they, they need venture capital. Right. Yeah. So it it encompasses everything, school teachers, you name it, anybody that has a social anxiety, because the reality is there is no such thing as stage fright. You're not afraid of the audience. You're afraid of yourself. That's, that's the thing that people will learn in my book. There's a lot of um, interesting stuff in here and the techniques that I use and that I have taught people in the past to use uh, when I was helping them actually work and they, they say, thank you so much. I I never would have thought of this. It's sort of like looking at a sneaker and saying, Hmm, this would work a whole lot better if we had a shoelace on this. Yeah. And then the guy that invented the shoelace is, you know, it's incredible how these little tiny tweaks work. Right. And so I came up with a little tiny tweak that is so simple that most people go, why didn't I think of that? And um, the, the other part is this podcast. It's called the journey unscripted. And I'm very excited about it. It premieres in two weeks on the 20th and it's really a, a new short form. It's a new short form show. It's, it's quirky, hopefully hilarious. And it's suited for people on the go. That's why it's okay. short form. So the topics are, are some of the most, um, goofy WTF moments that people experience. And I handpicked some of the most extraordinary off the wall topics I could think of. And, you know, just a a quick lineup of some of the shows, 
you know, extraordinary celebrity encounters. And I'm not talking about, hey, I got an autograph from yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? No, it's I went to I went to a Starbucks and Arnold Schwarzenegger was in front of me and he tripped backwards and spilled his coffee all over my new dress. Right. And um and what happened was he was so flabbergasted that this happened. Not only did he buy me new coffee and a new dress, but I went out to dinner with him two days later, you know? Yes. Um, almost a true story, by the way, that one, I just came up with at the top of my head. <laughs> um, I, did, I did pal around with him all day once. And it was quite a, quite an interesting. How fun. Yeah, it was a little fun. It was until he got called away. He was governor at that point. And he got called away. Helicopter landed right in front of uh, this convention center in uh, Long Beach, California, and took him away to Sacramento. Um, but for most of the day, I was hanging out with him. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, ex- so there's that. There's first dates gone, WTF. Right. Like, you've met the man of your dreams. You're going to spend the rest of your life with him or the woman of your dreams, for that matter. And you find yourself in the middle of that wonderful date and sighing going, (sighs) and then thinking to yourself, why the am I here? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, so, you know, first dates that they didn't exactly align to what they said they were Um, chance encounters um, unscripted. So chance encounters would be sort of like the Ann Ruckard story. I told you earlier, right. Um, Instant karma people that, that do the stupidest things in the world and they get what they deserve. Right. Um, there's a lot of stories on that. A lot of great guests, a couple of celebrity, uh, people that are going to speak on that one as well. Okay. And, and one called crazy Karens, uh, celebrity impersonations. Um, I've been pranked a lot of these fun, fun shows that are not so long that your ears start to bleed. And, you know, East, each guest is going to probably be between one and six minutes long. Wow. Okay. Almost like a radio format, because that's what our hope is to get syndicated on some radio stations that are looking for filler material. And um, that sounds, that sounds lovely. That sounds so good. Yeah. I'm excited. If, if there's anybody that's listening that thinks they could be a guest, I want you to go to the journeyunscripted.com. And go to the be a guest link and listen to um, the, uh, the 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 intro I give to be a guest, and okay. then and then go ahead and listen to the different episode uh, intros that I have, and you'll be able to see if maybe your story might might actually fit the format, because each of these shows are going to have a sequel and a sequel and a sequel because there's such fun topics and there's so many people lining up to to be on the show for, for that. So it'll be, it'll be fun, um, to, to say the least. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to have guest hosts, uh, throughout the whole time. There's going to be one guest host where we're going to give away a, a kind of a very interesting high scale price, um, prize to the person that guesses who Ryan is. Oh, okay. There is going to be, uh, a, a quasi famous person named Ryan that will be guest hosting from time to time. Oh, nice. And if people can guess who he is by getting the Easter eggs that I provide in each episode, they are going to um, receive something that we have not quite 
nailed down with the um the co-producer of the show okay. and the publicist but once we do uh you know i can tell you that we have enough in the budget to to make that a, a very interesting uh prize that's awesome yeah so we should have a lot of fun with this show it's a lot of work um because yeah. you know with everything else i'm doing doing a podcast and and there's just so much to working it. on and, a new book that's exciting yeah, that's hard too. And and yeah. there's actually a third book and I had to drop it because I was supposed to, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a supernatural thrill. I grew up, I grew up in a haunted house. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting is I'm writing a book. Um, it's called the attic and it's a supernatural thriller. That's kind of loosely based on actual events, but there's a, a girl that I work with and she is one of the masters of horror. Uh, and she works with John Carpenter and a lot of them. And, and of course, John Carpenter did Halloween and, and those types of movies. So we were told, you know, go to the house that the conjuring actually was about in Rhode Island, leave your cell phones out, leave them home. And for four days, we want you to stay there unencumbered, not, nobody talks to you or anything. And you stay there without any communication to the outside world and write yeah. a screenplay in four days. If you can do that, we'll read it. <laughs> yeah. I was so psyched to do it, but that was supposed to happen next week and it's not happening. So okay. yeah, that's, that's sad, but um, yeah. So you have a Bruce question for me. I know you do. I, I can I, see it on your face. I, I do. And, and so um First off, um, I'm going to have all the links in the show notes. I'll have you email me and send that. Um, if someone wants to reach you, well, let's go ahead and do the Mary question first. So your homework, and this has been amazing, Amber. I, I just appreciate you sharing so much of yourself and, and telling such wonderful stories. And, and I'm thrilled to see what comes next in your journey. Thank um, you. So thank you for that. All right. So if you are a fan of Amber's and you're listening to this podcast, first off, thank you. Um, secondly, uh, there is, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired, but before he retired every year, his seniors in his honors English class would take two days and they break apart the song Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. They look at the lyrics, they talk about the imagery in the poem, they talk about uh, the themes Bruce explores, and at the end of the two days, he asks his class the question, does Mary get in the car? Mm -hmm. Amber, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I, I need to preface this with something just so you understand the psychology behind Mary. Sure. So this song I happen to be very familiar with because okay. it was one of those songs that mentored me when I got into songwriting and let's, let's be honest with each other. It's, it's not just a song. It's a cinematic masterpiece. If you want to get real, yes. I mean, the way he, he, he describes the scene of this little town and and how he desperately wants to, what's the word, get out of Dodge, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, it's it kind of reminded me of the little town I grew up in and how badly I wanted to get out of that little town. Right. So he does say something weird in the song. I have to admit, it's kind of unsettling to me. He says, you ain't a beauty, but you're all right. Right. So he's giving away a little bit of his, you know, non-charm side, but he, he sort of sees that, you know, things got to be better than where they are now. And she certainly knows that because it's a town full of guys that she calls losers, I guess you would call it. And I think that's actually a lyric in the song. Yes. Losers. Is it? Yeah. All yeah. Right. It's a town um, full of losers. We're, yeah. I'm pulling out of here to win. That's right. So they both want to get out of this song. So does he, does she get in the car? You know, you'd have to say beep because um, I'm going to say, hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> she gets in the car and that's her ticket out of this one horse town. Right. So, and um, in away from those losers. Now she gets in the car, but only for a little while. That's her, that is her medium out of there to get into this whole new world. When she discovers this whole new world, the sequel of that song that was never written is that she thanks him profoundly for what he did, but he's kind of, he's kind of a little bit shallow himself, but he's also honest, you know, to a, to a fault by saying, you know, you know, all I have to offer is this car and the road yeah. ahead. Right. I'm no so, hero. That's understood. All I can eat. Yes. Exactly. Wow, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. I, I can't believe I remember all this. Um, and he said, um, he said that to her. So I think she gets in the car. She gets out of Dodge. She starts her life brand new. Um, I have to be honest. When I first heard the song, I thought that he was talking about ending it all sort of like Thelma and Louise. Okay. I, I sort of had that through my head. Like, Oh God, he's had enough. And she's going to join him for that, that long ride to nowhere. And then I, Listen to the song several more times after that, because I think that song came out in the 70s, right? Yes. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is, as I got older, I got a little bit more into lyrical structure and, and what the meaning behind it is. And the best lyrics in the world are the ones where everybody can come up with a different story. Yes. And come up with a different opinion. And there is no right or wrong answer. That's the beauty of it. And I think that's your trick question here is there really is no right or wrong answer, but in my view of interpretation of the song, yeah, she got in the car. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so, if you just, if, if you got a few more minutes, what, yeah. what's interesting is, you know, I've been asked by a couple of people that if I was ever lucky enough to get Bruce on the podcast, would I ask him that question? And then would I quit asking it? And I said, no, just because Bruce has an opinion doesn't mean it's necessarily right because yeah. you you write the song and then you put it out to the ether and then everyone picks up the meaning the way they are. Um, there is a wonderful story that Melissa Etheridge tells mm -hmm. that um, she talked about that when she was going to do her first MTV special, um, they said, do you want, who do you want to, join you and she said well i'd love bruce springsteen and um oh. they came back and said yes bruce is willing to join you and what do you want to do thunder road i and bet you do, yeah and oh so my God. <laughs> and so she's and so she's telling the story that 
she was, you know, in her words, in the closet. And mm-hmm. so it was really important for her um, for her to sing the lines, now Mary climb in, because, oh. you know, that I'm a woman telling Mary to come in. So the reason I tell you this story is she told the story that in the rehearsals, she kept flubbing the line. Mm. She did not say if Mary comes in. And so if you, and and it's a very well-watched YouTube video, but if you do Melissa Esridge, you know, Unplugged, Thunder Road. I've seen it. Yeah, well, way, and I, if you, I have absolutely yeah, seen it. If it was you in watch, the 90s. Yeah, if you watch it again, you'll see when she says, and Mary climb in, Bruce smiles and nods his head because he was ready to step in because in all the rehearsals, she didn't, and he had to say the line. Oh, and wow. she shared that story um, of how much he has meant to her in that song. So I thought that was just absolutely a great, lovely story. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Wow. So Amber, this was amazing after the podcast goes live and you'll have, we'll have to have you back on and we'll could talk about it and share some stories to go Uh, continued success. I am, I am looking forward to the book. I'm looking forward, especially to the, new book because i i know what it's like and you know it it was an interesting story um i've done a lot of public speaking either in you know for for my job or at at conventions i you know i do a podcast and and um i was talking to a buddy and he said i'm gonna have to speak at my parents 50th wedding anniversary and i'm really nervous And I said, Wade, understand that every time I speak, I am nervous. I have an anxious stomach. I may have to go to the bathroom multiple times every time. I said, but that's your body telling you to get ready. And so it's perfectly normal. And he was like, that makes me feel so much better because you always look so relaxed up there and you always look so comfortable. So I, I am looking forward to reading your stories and your techniques because it is one of the things that af- people are afraid of, right? There are people that dread and the reality is we all have stories to tell and, and we want people, I want people to be comfortable telling that story. Yeah. It, I have a, I have about a two minute, well, maybe one minute story. Uh, sure, please. That, that I think you, you, you and your audience might get a kick out of. Yeah. I was in New York City for most of my life, and I was in Soho. All right, and in Soho, it's a pretty cool place. It's a hip place, and right. a lot of actors, actresses hang out there. All your music venues are there for the performers, and I was in this one club, and. I'm sitting down and I'm with a few friends and we're going to watch a comedy show. Okay. And I knew the owner of the place, good friends with, with him. And he walks up to the table. He goes, this isn't this just effing horrifying. He was one of those. Um, 
He's he's Greek by nature, love him yes. to death. And you know, the, the, you know, when he says hi, he says, Ah, the F are you? You know, I mean, he's yeah. one of those people. He he very much makes New York accent stereotypical, right? You know, he he is the quintessential, you know, New York right. accent. And he goes, I said, What's the matter? And everybody at the table, you know, the three of us look up at him and he goes, My my uh my my night just got really bad and we're like why because the person that's going to announce these these comedians has dropped off you know i have no mc i've no nobody i i said why don't you do it you you can do it you own this place for crazy yeah. get, get up there and get that new york accent going and go yeah, get exactly. him boy and he goes oh hell no now the club could hold i don't know 400 people right you know maybe a little more and he goes why don't you do it and then everybody at the table says oh yeah why don't you do it just do it i mean how hard is it you you do it for concerts i said all right i'll do it i'll do it don't worry about it just give me a list (laughs) he puts the list right in front of me as i'm reading and it goes five minutes improv you know last introduction of first act and then at the end five minutes improv and then next act and then third act and so on and then wrap up and i'm like oh no 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 john come here come here (laughs) i cannot i can't do this i can't do improv you know for five minutes let alone 15 to 20 minutes that's like me doing a whole comedy show myself exactly and i'm not a comedian i'm not even remotely funny and he goes um we got a problem. I said, what? Right then, the DJ that was already in the booth, they had like this little square box, little black box where a DJ was in. And he gets his his real big announcer's voice on. He goes, welcome to, and he, and he starts naming everything. And he says my name. Let's welcome to the stage. And all of a sudden, the spotlight comes on and I have to walk up to the stage. I know the people's names that I'm about to announce. I don't have the foggiest effing clue what I'm going to say. I get up. Everybody's looking at me. Obviously, with a spotlight on you, you can't see everybody. Right. right? But you're up there going, what the frig am I going to say? Right. I'm from New York. I say the F word a lot. But, you know, yeah, that's um, okay. Yeah. So so I said, what am I going to say? I So instead of just letting amygdala hijacking take over, which I discuss in the book, and that sort of paralyzes a person and makes them, you know, stutter and speechless and not know what to do. I immediately said, how are you guys doing? Now that worked for exactly 10 seconds, right? Sure. They, they all, I, oh, that's not very loud. Did you guys really want to come out tonight? Or did you just want to like fuck around and just, you know, let me, let me act like you've been drinking a little while and give me a, give me a real hello. And they gave me a real hello. And it was really funny. They, they actually laughed when I said that. And then I said, okay, I can do this. I said, listen, I got some great news for you. And I got some really bad news for you guys. Which do you want first? They said, well, give us, give us, uh, give us the bad news. Okay. The bad news is I'm not funny. I'm not even remotely funny. I don't have the foggiest effing idea of what I'm doing up here. And I don't want to know. And I want to be transparent and honest with you guys. I am not funny whatsoever. I am so unfunny that you guys are probably going to get up 
before the first act gets out here and scream at the, at the now they're laughing at that. I'm self-deprecating and right. I'm finding out that self-deprecation actually makes them laugh. Yes. And they said, I said, now who wants to hear the good news? Cause there is good news here, believe it or not. And they all start shouting. Yeah. Throw it at us. You suck. You know, there's all this stuff yeah. happening. And, and I'm like, newsflash, I do suck. You're not, why don't you tell me something we don't know? And everybody right. laughs at that. Right. So now they're laughing at this guy and I'm getting heckled. And I said, this first act can be the shittiest act you've ever seen. And he is going to shine like the fucking sun because I suck so bad that he is going to really be the rock star tonight. Even the comedian laughed at that. Right. So I do my whole set and then I announce him, I get off and they said, wow, you did really good. You had everybody in stitches. I said, I have no idea what I just did. (laughs) That is awesome. Five, you know, five minutes after he's over, he did, I think he does, does 20, 20 or 25 minutes. He gets off. He comes as he's coming off stage. I come back on stage talking with the SM58 mic in my hand. And I, and I just start mingling with the crowd. Here's the problem. You can't go out there and self-deprecate in the first act and then expect to get laughter by self-deprecating all over again. Right. It ain't going to work. Right. And I already knew that from being around all these performers my whole life. So I came up with another thing right off the top of my head. And that's when I knew I had something for improv. Not everybody can do that. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not patting my own back or anything. No, but no, no. I agree. It's those things that helped me understand what I was truly afraid of. I was not afraid of the audience. I was afraid of myself. Yeah. I was uncomfortable because I was unprepared. Why do people fail at investment pitches? Because they're yeah. not prepared to answer the questions that they're being asked. Right. You have to prepare, prepare, and then prepare again. You know, um, sort of like, you know, the whole thing, you know, the guy, I forgot what year it was, gets out of the taxi cab and this guy walks up to him and says, excuse me, sir, how do you get to Carnegie? And, and he said, practice. Yes. One word. He just said practice. It was a sarcastic word and that carried on forever and ever and ever, you know? So that's really what the book is about is how to get over this in such a way that there are these three things, three staple things that you think about that are actually going to change. They'll change your life because you're not going to look at an audience quite the same way ever again after you read that. Well, I am going to have you on again after the book comes out, and I look forward to reading it and enjoying it, and I also look forward to reading your story. Amber, thank you so much for your time. This was a joy. I appreciate it. Listeners, you, thank you for listening. Go get vaccinated. Go remember to wear your mask. Wash your hands. Let's all be good to each other, because really, that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.